Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings. This morning was a, a powerful set of services that we had, no doubt. I preached from Ezekiel 37 about the dry bones and prophesied and declared about the prophetic word over our valley that God is going to raise up mighty ones in our midst, that God is going to bring and release a great revival here. Amen. And the church and the valley was like unto dry bones. Dry bones are a picture of the curse for a Jew to be buried, or should I say, for a Jew to not be buried would be evidence of a curse. And for their bones to be strewn on the top of the soil, the field, and to be out there a long time, as it says in Ezekiel, and to be very dry, a picture of not, not just a curse, but a picture of that which has been taking place for a long time. And I talked about that this morning. I talked about in the context of Ezekiel 37 that God was bringing hope to Israel in Ezekiel's day because there were many, as they were in captivity in Babylon, who had hope. They were hopeless. They were like, man, we're, we're in a faraway land. We're ruined. We, we sinned. We're cursed. We're all just going to die here. And the Lord had given them prophetic promises by Jeremiah and Ezekiel, then breathing hope upon that same promise to say, though, you, though there's a slain army of many bones, prophesy to the bones that they would have breath, that they would come to joint to joint, ligament to ligament, have skin on them, and then prophesy to the breath, the ruah of God. And I applied that to where we are here in the valley and where we are in our state, where the body of Christ is in our nation and how there's many a congregation that's dead and God doesn't desire to have a dead church. God's desire is to have a church that's on fire. God's desire is to have a church that's alive, filled with the ruah or in the, new, in the, in the Greek, the New Testament language would be the pneuma of God, the Spirit of God, the wind of God, the breath of God. We need God's power. We need God's breath. We need God's miracle-working power in our lives. Without it, we're nothing but a bunch of dead man's bones. And there's no way to, come on, there's no way to fix dead man bones except God bring us back to life. And, and we prophesied and declared and proclaimed that God is bringing a mighty revival to the body of Christ. Also that God is going to straighten some things out in the house of the Lord for judgment comes to the house of the Lord first. In the third service specifically, I felt like he was going to expose evil in the body of Christ. Let's all repent, Jesus. I've done a searching, fearless, moral inventory of my heart, and I ask God to do one every day. And by the grace of God, we live for him with power, zeal, and passion. And I believe that it's only at a bit like ankle-deep level. We're going to go deeper and deeper and deeper. But listen, holiness matters. Holiness matters. Sin matters. And I was greeted by one that should have been full of faith and power recently. Instead, they were demonized. It was a grievous thing for me. I hope that I get to meet them again so maybe I can minister to them. Somebody that should be rightly dividing the word, preaching, praying. There's all kinds of different denominations, and we're so grateful for that. Somebody said there should just be one. There'll be one in heaven when it's all done. But, but there's many different kinds of people. 
And God's moving in power across denominational lines, and I'm very grateful that he's moving in power here. If you haven't heard the, that message from this morning, go get it. Specifically the first service, 9 o'clock. Third service was lit also. Second Kings chapter uh, 5 is the story of Naaman. And uh, how many of you know Naaman? Naaman was a Syrian. Let's go ahead and look at verse five, uh, verse one of chapter five of Second Kings. Now Naaman, a commander of the army of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord, who? The Lord. The Lord used him as an instrument of judgment, really, had given victory to Syria. Syria was the enemies of Israel. He was a mighty man of valor, but he's a leper. Big problem. Big problem there. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back some young girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. So here's basically a slave that's been captured in Israel and brought back to Syria and is a part of his household. And she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria. So she's not wishing death on Naaman. She's wishing and praying that he might find the prophet in Samaria. Why? Because the prophet had the power of God to bring healing to his leprous body. That's why. And I love the fact that we don't know her name. We have no idea who she is. She's never mentioned again in all of Scripture, yet she's used to witness and declare to witness of the power of God, to witness of the kingdom, and declare that there's healing in God. If she, if she could just... Get him to go to Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Verse 4, Naaman went, Naaman went and told his master. So she says it to the wife. How many of you know they lie down to talk that night? And she's like, I was talking to the, she said, you need to find that. He's like, really? Yeah. And there's pillow talk right there. So he goes and talks to his master, saying, thus says, the girl who from the land of Israel, you know, I can, I can be healed. And the king of Syria said, go now. Well, I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothing. And he went and brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, now be advised when this letter comes to you that I've sent Naaman, my servant to you, that he may be healed of his leprosy. The king, these next verses, freaks out. He's like, what, am I God that I can heal him? He's picking a fight. You know, it's, sometimes we don't see things clearly. And so it has told him that, no, it's, it's for Elijah. And so they, they sent to, they're sent, they sends him to Elijah, and it happened the king of Israel read the letter, right? We were speaking to quarrel, verse 8. So it was that Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, and he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. I love that. Say, so what do you love about that? We serve a God who's not afraid of proving himself. I love how it says in, in the book of Malachi, Test me now, prove me now in this, and see if I won't do it. Come on, God's not afraid of you saying, Would you reveal yourself to me? One of the great things I love to do when I witness to people, and I just did this recently, is I tell them when you go home at night and you sit down on your bed or wherever you are before you close your eyes, just pray a sincere prayer like, 
hey, if you're real, would you come and reveal yourself to me? I'm going to tell you that's like a 911 for many people. And God shows up and he gives them dreams and he does supernatural things to reveal himself to people, especially when people are hungry and thirsty and, and are hungry to see it, see him and know him. He's a supernatural God. He still heals. He still delivers. He still saves. He still sanctifies. He still raises the dead. What I love about him, if it's lost, he can find it. If it's broken, he can fix it. If it's dead, he can raise it up. He's God. He's God all by himself. So no matter where you find yourself or what pit you might find yourself in tonight, God is deeper still and able to help you, able to heal you, able to encourage you. Can you say amen in the house of God? So he comes to the prophet. Naaman went, verse 9. Horses, chariot, and he stood at the door of Elijah's house. And I love this, this great, when you got to get the picture. He has a whole entourage. This is a major military general who shows up at the little old Elijah's house. And Elijah doesn't even get off his easy chair. He's there with his hummus and his crackers and he's chilling. And he says, uh, hey, Gehazi, go get the door. He doesn't even get up to answer the door to this great man of honor. And I'm sure it was to bring some humility to him. So Elijah sent his messenger and says, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the prophet said, go to the Jordan. We're in verse 10. Wash seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you'll be clean. And Nathan became furious, because in his mind, he thought the guy would come with the white suit and the comb over hair and wave his hands and pray in Elizabethan English, <laughs> declare this incredible prayer, Oh, God of heaven above. He doesn't do any of that. He's like, go dip seven times. I've said it many times here before. Eventually, Naaman did it, but he was offended first. And God will offend, your, will offend your mind to reveal your heart. He had a pride issue. He had all kinds of issues, not unlike some of us. And, but eventually, he obeys, and uh, he becomes what we say in Alaska, the big dipper. He, he dips seven times. That's a joke. You might get it on the way home. Anyway, he dips seven times, and he comes up out of the, out of the Jordan, and he's totally healed. And uh, his skin is like that of a baby. And he offers to profit money. And the prophet says, nope, no thanks. And he sends him on his way. Now, I'm paraphrasing. But what then happens is Gehazi, the servant, and I'm not even preaching on this text, but I wanted to give it to you before we got to the main text. Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, he says this. So, so the deal's over. The guy's healed, and he's going back. He's going back as a worshiper of God back to Syria. And so Gehazi thinks he knows better than Elisha. Rebellion's in his heart. He has issues. So but Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, Look, my servant has spared Naaman this Syrian depending upon what version you have. Understand that that very statement is a, is a statement of prejudice. 
understand that what he's saying is that he doesn't agree of what the prophet did. He doesn't agree how the pastor dealt with it. He doesn't agree with the decision that dad made. That he doesn't agree with the decision that the leader made. He doesn't agree. And he thinks it should have been done differently. Like how could he let that Assyrian off? You know, we don't know what happened to Naaman to cause, a, uh, pardon me, Gehazi to cause a bitterness in his heart. But we know the history of the Assyrians. They were wicked people. They were wicked. And they did things to Israel that were absolutely unspeakable. And I'd encourage you to not go Google it. Because you'll find yourself possibly ending up in a world of defilement. Unspeakable, grotesque tortures they would do to people. And, and, and line their remains outside the city on the way going into the city so you knew that they had taken over. I mean, we don't know what Gehazi went through to cause a bitterness, but he was obviously bitter and he's obviously prejudiced. By the way that that stated, this Syrian, this Syrian, this, this Armenian. He spared him, Syrian in the New King James, while not receiving from his hand what he brought. But as the Lord lives, oh yeah, here comes, here comes a rebellion. I will run after him and take something from him. Because after all, what he did to Bubba, what he did to my cousin, what he did to the town next door to us, all the different things that they did, they owe us the money. They owe what they owe us. There's a bitterness in him. Listen, bitterness is going to kill you. Somebody deserves judgment. Look at it this way. Somebody got judgment. His name is Jesus. He died on a cross so that you don't have to suffer in bitterness. You just need to, you need to take away your bitterness and put it upon Jesus. Bitterness says, basically, they didn't get what they deserved. And I'm going to remain angry and unforgiving and bitter until we fix it. When I get a chance, I'm going to fix that stinking wagon. And when the wagon is fixed, I'll fix that wagon. There is a day of the judgment where everybody's wagon is going to be corrected. So Gehazi runs after the man of God, saying, I'm going to go get the, something from him. Verse 21, Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down for his chariot and said, Is it well? He said, It is well. My master has sent me. He's lying. Because Elijah didn't send him anywhere. His own greed and bitterness sent him. Saying, indeed, just now to you, and he's lying some more. Two young men from the sons of prophet have come. He made up a whole story. What a liar. Wow. Please give me a talent of silver and two changes. of. He, was, he didn't ask for the whole thing. He just asked for some of it. Maybe in his mind he thought, well, I won't take all of it because Elijah didn't want to take all of it, so maybe some of this is from the Lord that we shouldn't take anything. But I'm going to take some of it because, because. Verse 23, so Naaman said, please take two talents of silver. He urged him, bound the two talents of silver in bags, two changes of garments. He handed them over to the servants so they could be carried on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in his house. He went and hid it. Reminds me of Achan. You know the story of Achan? Achan was mistaken. Achan heard the, heard the tremendous preaching of Joshua the, at the, the strategy of taking down Jericho. Don't touch any of the accursed things. Jericho was a tithe of the promised land. Don't touch any. It all belongs to God. This whole city belongs to God. And so he says, don't touch any of the cursed things. But Achan, I like to say it, Achan was mistaken. 
He saw a wedge of gold and a Babylonian garment. Just wanted to bury that under What are you going to do? You're going to put on your Babylonian garment? You're like, what's up? You like my threads? Oh, gee, where'd you get that, Aiken? Amazon? No, you didn't. You're whack. Come on, somebody say, yeah, 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 he's whack. Anyway, he goes and he puts him in his house. Like the Lord doesn't see everything that we do. He went and stood before his master, Elijah, said to him, where did you go? Gehazi, it gives an opportunity to repent. Oh, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. What are you talking about? Verse 25, he says, you're a liar. You're going to hell. No, he didn't say that. Verse, verse 26. Then <laughs> he said to him, did not my heart go with you? When the man turned back from his chariot to meet you. Wow, what a prophetic gift. Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing? Olive groves, vineyards, sheep, oxen, male, female servants. He would receive them at other times, but at this time it was inappropriate. He was led by the Lord to, to not receive him. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous as white as snow. What's amazing to me is in the seventh chapter of 2 Kings, we find now, continuing on, the continuing saga of Gehazi, although his name is not mentioned, many scholars believe him to be in this next text. Chapter 7, verse 1, Elijah said, Hear the word of the Lord, thus says the word of the Lord, tomorrow at this time, a say of fine flour should be sold for a shekel and two sayas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Let me just stop. The Syrians set a battle siege and basically are starving out Israel. And they're going to die. And it's so bad that there, nobody can eat. I mean, you go and read this, it's just terrible. It, it really is an, uh, the saddest thing. To see what the, the, the weight that people would go. How low people can go. Eating their own babies. How appropriate. Regarding abortion. There's people that just want to have their own way. You can't be responsible with the sexual act under covenant, and so they'll just go ahead and, and take the baby's life. Abortion is, ne is not the right option, ever. There's so many people that would have babies, would adopt them. And so, verse 2 of 2 Kings 7, thank you. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows of heaven, could this thing be? Oh, no. He doesn't believe him. And he said, In fact, you'll see with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Now there were four lepers. Men at the entrance of the gate. And they said one to another, Now one of the four lepers is said to be 
Gehazi. And what happens with these four lepers is absolutely astounding. Four lepers, they're outside the gate because they can't be inside the gate. I mean, they're dying. They, they, they've got a hopeless situation. Why are we sitting here until we die? Let me just say that in application, we begin to bring application here tonight. Don't just tolerate stuff in your life. Don't keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result with one of the definitions of insanity. Decide that you're gonna change your life. Decide that you can change your circumstances. Get a hold of God's word and begin to shift things, change things. Can you say amen? I've come to that point many times in my life and be like, no, we can't do this. We're not doing this again. We're, we're going to do something different. And so here are these lepers, and one of them, very possibly being Gehazi, always not named. They say, why do we sit here and do we die? If we say we will enter the city, famine in the city, and we'll die there. And if we sit here, we'll die also. Therefore, come, let us go surrender to the army of the Assyrians. And if they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. That's a pretty brutal situation. They arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Assyrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord, look at this, verse 6, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses. The noise of a great army. Four leprous guys, probably dragging a few of their limbs, made the noise of chariots and an exceedingly vast army. You know what? Many of you feel like that. Many of you feel like, well, what have I got to offer? I mean, my history, the things I've been through, the different things that I'm going through in my life, what, what have I got to offer? I feel leprous. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're on your second, third, fourth marriage. Maybe your kids are, you know, not talking to you. Maybe you've been in prison. Maybe you have a record. Maybe, you know, maybe, 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 maybe you've got a, a, a list of things, you know, a mile long. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what's astounding to me is that God can take four lepers who just decide to change their life or take a risk. Well, we're going to die anyway. Might as well just get going. I mean, yeah, the living dead, it would have been creepy. To, and yet God magnified their dragging limbs and their thumping, and maybe they would fall and drop body parts. I mean, who knows what was happening when they have leprosy. Hansen's disease. And it caused the sound of chariots and exceedingly vast army. I'm telling you, God can turn this whole, the whole state, the whole valley. God can turn our nation through a bunch of people that if they would just believe God. And so they go, and uh, they show up, and they start having a party. There's nobody there, and they're eating all kinds of, you know, chips and dip and steak and whatever else, smoked meat. They're, they're, they're chowing down, and they're getting stuff, and they're rejoicing. And then they realize, hey, we better not, <laughs> what we're doing is not right. Verse 8, they said one to another, what we're doing is not right. This day is a day of good news. We remain silent. Oh, my gosh. 
a day of good news. We live in a day where there's good news to the bound, broken, hurting, the addicted and the afflicted. We live in a day where there's good news and yet much of the body of Christ is stone cold silent like they're dead. It's, listen, it is not good for you not to share your faith. It is not good for you not to say, oh, I'm nervous. I know. I know. And none of us like being rejected. Can I tell you a funny story? Yesterday. Uh, dude, if you're online, what's up? This ought to straighten things out. So... Uh, I've been witnessing a lot. And um, I finished working out. It was the end. I was at the gym. And um, there was a guy that was in the steam room. And uh, he was chiming in on part of our conversation. And I didn't really get to connect with him because I was talking with another guy. It was more focused that way. And so, you know, you get to, the thing about steam rooms, it's like you get too hot and you got to get out. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I excused myself and everybody else got out too because it was just really hot. And so, you know, I'm in my locker. The guy's on the other side of the locker room. And I'm thinking, i got to talk to him. I'm like, oh, no, I've witnessed enough today. Well, I know you never felt that way, but sometimes I feel that way. And I'm like, I'm getting dressed. I'm dinner's ready. Getting my clothes on. I'm packing my bags. And the Lord always messes with me. He says things like, what if this is the last time that he's going to hear the good news? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Start trying to muster some, you know. I, had, I mean, I didn't do I didn't, I did end up witnessing to him, but I didn't do it out of this deep burden and longing for him to be saved. I did it because, like, maybe it's the last time. And that's what the Lord, you know, I felt like maybe it's the last time. And does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you're like, you know, it's not the last time, Lord. And he's like, well, maybe it is. I'm like, okay, maybe, but maybe it isn't. Maybe can you send somebody else? And, you know, I kind of go back and forth. And then, I, and then he's like, okay. And he's not talking anymore. I'm like, okay. You win. Again, I yield. Some of you don't know how to yield. So you want the blessing of God, but you don't know how to yield. You don't know how to submit. You don't know how to abide. And so, like, I, I'm not going to give you, I'll be a fool any day of the week and be rejected, be embarrassed. And, and I totally did get rejected and embarrassed. So here's what happened. I got my bag, and I'm like, okay, whew, hallelujah, use me right now. So I walk over. I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, good. I said, my name's Daniel. Nice to meet you. He says, hey, my name's Gordon. I said, oh, nice to meet you, Gordon. Listen, has anybody ever told you that God loves you? He's got a wonderful plan for your life. He's like, maybe. I said, okay. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're a whosoever, right? I'm a whosoever. If anybody calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. He's like, all right. I said, okay, can I pray for you? This is right out of the script. Now, I didn't have a script, but I've memorized it. So I said, can I pray for you? He's like, and actually, I should tell you this first part. I wasn't going to tell you, but I'll tell you now. So he had, like, I come in, he doesn't have a shirt on, you know? And he's got this giant stallion on his chest, a tattoo. And, you know, they tell you to get common ground, you know? So I should have told you this before. This happened before I started witnessing to him. So I walked back. I said, hey. He said, hey. I said, oh, nice tattoo. He's like, he turned. <laughs> I'm thinking, think I might have missed God on that one anyway. He's like, do you like my tattoo? He just turns away. He's like, get a shirt on. Some freaks back here. 
was terrible. Anyway, just trying to find common ground. Hey, what's up? Nice tat. It just didn't work. It didn't work. So he's thinking I'm like queer or something weird. Anyway, that hindered the process a little bit, Pastor Kirsten, right there. But we, you know, we got moving. We got moving. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? He said, oh. I said, okay. Father, thank you for Gordon. I pray that if he's never received you as Jesus as his Lord and Savior, I pray you do, do a short, quick work right now. I pray you bless his life and bless his family in Jesus' name. Amen. And I said, uh, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, uh, no. And my name's Jordan, not Gordon. And I was like, oh. He said, but I'm sure there's a Gordon out there that wants to pray that prayer that you want to lead him in. I said, I'm sure there is. <laughs> so it's like full awkward now, right? It's like guy likes my tattoo and he's trying to pray for me or something. I don't know what he's thinking. And I said, well, what I just told you is the truth. That God loves you. He's got a plan. So why don't you think about that and talk to him. He'll reveal himself to you. He's like, maybe I'll do that. I said, okay, thanks. Good night. time he'll ever hear that. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. And maybe, maybe he'll be in a situation where all of a sudden, that creepy bald guy that liked my tattoo, he told me God loved me. And maybe the Lord will bring it back to mind. What do you say? I'm telling you, we all feel leprous at times. And many times in our own mind, we can feel like we're unworthy or whatever. You have to banish that stuff. And don't be silent about what God has done in your life. You need to share your faith. Get Use social media for other things and talk and stink about people. And gossiping. He said, I don't use mine for that. Well, good. But a lot of people do. There's a lot of pollution on there. So they decide it's not going to be good for us. You know, it reminds me of Jesus. You know when Jesus heals that guy, he says, pick up your mat and walk. And he picks up his mat and he, go, and, he, and he walks. And he gets in trouble by the religious police, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the couldn't sees and wouldn't sees. They show up and they're like, hey man, you're not supposed to be carrying, not supposed to be carrying your mat. Who told you you could do this? It's the Sabbath. The Sabbath cops. And he's like, the guy that healed me, what guy? I don't know. But I'm healed. And he walks off. Eventually, he comes to find Jesus in the temple. Now, what would you be doing? Was he, I get sometimes integrated with the stories. In Is it 40 years? I think he's on the mat. Anyway, he had no man to help him into the pool. So he's wandering around in the temple, by the way, for the first time in his life, because being a crippled man, you could never go into the temple. So he's like... Look what the Lord has done. He's walking around and like, dude, what are you doing in here? I'm, I'm healed. I'm healed. I don't have one. I don't know how to have it. This guy, this guy, he came and he, he healed me. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Hey, ah, ooh, ah. And, and then all of a sudden he sees Jesus. And Jesus rebukes him. And he basically says, go and sin no more. Now let me ask you, what sin was he actually doing? He didn't know who Jesus was, and he wasn't telling anybody about him. That's what I think. Go and how much sin could you be doing after you get set free from being on a mat your whole life, and you're in the temple? Do you think he's like chasing all the girls in the temple? I don't think so. No, I, I think his sin was 
was not testifying about the Lord or even caring to know who it was. What are you saying? I'm trying to stir you to win the lost. I'm trying to stir you to invite people. I'm trying, if God has done anything for you ever, don't be silent. Don't be silent. So what ends up happening here is a great revival, basically. Assyrians run because they think a multitude has come to hunt them down. And all the food and everything they have is brought to the aid of the city which has been besieged and in great famine. And I'm telling you, the picture of Israel is a picture of the church here in this text. Besieged, beleaguered, locked within its four walls, starving to death. I've noticed something very significant and I don't know why I got to keep learning this, but, but it's just true. When you begin to win souls and when a church begins to really engage in breaching the lost, something happens in the spirit. Something changes. Listen, if you stay within the four walls of the church and, and listen, people are coming and you can get people saved there and that's good and we'll continue to do that. But there's something about going after the, after the one. So many, so many in the body of Christ have what a disease, what I call 99-itis. They never leave the 99 to leave the one. Another way of saying that is koinonitis. Heard of koinonia? Koinonitis was so much fellowship that you become like an ingrown toenail. Ew. These lepers were, you, they'll sit here until we die. They, they, their effort, as feeble as it seemed, God breathed on it. And as a result of what God did through the four lepers, brought the resources into the church, into the four walls of the city that was besieged. Are you following me? You, do you hear that? You see the application I'm making here? And the word of the Lord comes to pass that, that Elijah spoke. And it happened, verse 18. Verse 18. Let me see your Bible. You all got a Bible? Let me see it. Verse 18, you're distracting me. Verse 18. So are you talking to me? Probably. If you're convicted right now, I was talking to you. Okay. Verse 18. So it happened just as the man of God spoke to the king, saying, a two sailors of barley for a shekel and a sailors of flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow at the gate of Samaria. This prophetic word comes to pass then the officer had answered the man of God saying, now look, you know the guy that didn't believe the word? He gets trampled at the gate. Just exactly like the prophetic word. So let me, let me bring the application now. The word of God has got to be precious in your eyes. You've got to see, listen, when I'm preaching, I'm not just deciding to throw down a couple, spit out a couple bars and have a cute service. I'm bringing the word of the Lord hopefully under an unction, under an anointing, and it's important to receive it and to read the word and to know the word. Many times, because especially kids that are raised in church. Listen, it's a dangerous thing to be raised in this house. You know why? Because you can take this for just common church. And this is not just common. 
There's fresh fire, fresh power, and it's not because of any one man except the man Jesus Christ. There's a team of people. There's a hunger and a thirst. There's a passion and a desire. It's not dead church. Granted, we're going to go to the next level of fire. I'm not trying to toot our horn or anything. That would be terrible. That'd be stupid. That'd be prideful. And I don't even think that. I'm grateful for what God's doing. But examine your heart. Is the word of God precious to you? Do you read it? Do you memorize it? Do you pray it? The word of God has got to be precious. There was no widespread revelation. Where there's no widespread revelation, people cast off restraint. Teach your little ones to hear the word. Here putting together Legos on the front row, all well behaved. And you know what's happening right now? The power of God's coming through my left hand right onto his head right now. Right in church. Thank God for kids' church, but thank God we've got a place where kids can come and sit with their families and be transformed and hear the word. Super cool, by the way. I remember my son many, many years ago doing the same thing, and every so often as I'd be preaching, the same thing that's been happening the entire time we're doing the service here. I'm preaching, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's about to make a move with the Lego thing, and all of a sudden... They look. It's the same thing that happens every Sunday night. They're like, Whoosh. and I see the word go, bam, right in it. They heard that, and they heard that, and they heard that. I'm going to tell you, you've got to bring your kids to church. You've got to let the word of God be precious. This man this, that who, who the king leaned on, he didn't give up. He, had, he was filled with unbelief. Listen, you have to combat unbelief. You have to beat that thing back with a baseball bat in the spirit. And you have to let the word of God become precious. And you need to teach your kids. Let me just say, if you bring your kids and you let them stare into a screen the entire time I'm preaching, you're a fool. I'm going to go encourage myself because you all look like you got baptized in lemon juice, so I'll be right back. Amen, pastor. Preach. Ah, preach, pastor. If, you, if you're letting your kids stare at a screen the entire time, but it's a good show. <laughs> it's stupid. Sometimes kids are like, they just can't stand still. Did you know this is a good one? Focus their energies into their hands. It is behind. Help them. Put, give them, younger kids especially, give them something to work with, but not something that totally takes all of their understanding, like watching a TV program right now. My kids now listen to you, Pastor, and that's exactly what I do with my children. Well, good. You can all talk about it at home and put it away for next week. Say, really? Look, I'm trying to help you. I, I'm, not here, I'm not here to try to get a pat on the back. I don't really care. I already got one from the Lord, so I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you live a life and raise children that change the world. I'm trying to help you out of Psalm 127 that your children would be like arrows in, the, in, a, in your quiver that you launch everywhere for the glory of God into politics, into the, into the arts, into the culture, the glory of God being put on display through them. Not to raise a bunch of dumbed-down, pot-smoking people that are reprobate, sit in front of video games all their life, get 700 pounds and die early. That's not what I'm trying to get. Preach, pastor, preach. That's not God's will. You say, you offended me. Good, you obviously need it. You have to be so aggressive. It's kind of my personality. 
If you want some comfort, Pastor Vince's number is 907-888-HEMP. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You really ought to change your number, Pastor Vince. 888-HEMP's getting dialed up right now all over the place. You can also text that. If you don't get an immediate response, it means Pastor Vince agrees. Raise your children to be world changers. Don't let them be dumbed down by the culture. I think if your kids go to public school, every time they come home from public school, you ought to lay hands on them and break off defilement. I think you should talk about what happened during the day and make sure they're not getting bullied and teach them, train them, instruct them. Daily give them guidance so that they become world changers. Not people that get run over by a culture that's defiled and dying. All right. Prophetic conference right around the corner. The word of God is precious to me. And I know it's precious to you too. You would not be here on a Sunday night. You would not fill this place as you do on Wednesdays. But I think we can all go to another level of reverence. That's all mixed with fear for the word. Listen, whenever there's an altar call of salvation, that is not the time to go to the bathroom. Can I just rebuke you for a second? You say, gosh, you're being strong. I know Pastor Karen's not on the front row right now. She's the one that holds me together. Jesus, help me. Compassionate Pastor Karen. When there's an altar call, that's not time to get up and distract everybody and go, go off to go, you know, go do something. You could be sitting next to somebody while you're all losing your mind on Instagram. And you, they could be distracted and, and not give their heart to Jesus because you've been on your stupid phone. I know I'm probably just talking to the people online. It's not time to get, when the word is being read... You know, like opening text and times like that. It's not time to talk and stuff. It's not time to do that. When worship starts, you should come. You should come and be early and praying. Why? Because it changes you. It builds a reverence. This king, the king leaned on the servant who didn't believe the word. Do you think that that just happened overnight? No, I think he was on his phone every service that they had. I don't think he went to service. I don't know what his problem was, but he had issues that cultivated within him an unbelief for the prophetic word. My daughter goes to a, a Christian school. A, a Pentecostal Christian school. And there's not much Pentecost. And then the fact they have professors that argue against the gift of prophecy when they wouldn't even be in that school because the school wouldn't exist except for the prophetic word. Hit the, that moron wouldn't even have a job. And here he is too. Who is he? Did I say moron? Yes, I did. Again, moron, I asked Siri just recently, Mayor. Moron means a special kind of stupid, okay? So there's a, there's a professor who's arguing against the very thing that brought his job and that school into existence, and it's completely contrary to the doctrine of the school. I'd fire him so fast his head would spin. Want to know how I really feel about it? 
That's how I feel about it. In a Christian college, a spirit-filled Christian college. As I move to close... Examine your heart to see if the word is precious to you. Or do you treat prophecies with contempt? Do you, do you read God's word and, and it, it doesn't move you? Some of you fall asleep when you read God's word. That's, that's called a spirit of slumber. Many times it's a demon spirit. Not always. Sometimes you just worked real late and you're tired trying to read your Bible. <laughs> so we say, I just did like a 48-hour shift. I couldn't stay awake. No kidding. I couldn't have done the 48-hour shift. I'm just saying that maybe you're tired because you worked hard. But if it's always you're getting in the Word and you're like, yeah, that's probably a spirit of slumber trying to keep you from reading the Word. Push through. Break it off. Let the Word of God be precious to you. This prophetic conference, register for the conference. Let me talk just about the aspects of prophecy as we bring to conclusion this very simple message. We need to hear the word of the Lord every day. Manna is a picture of, of the word of the Lord. It's a picture of provision. Minister Micah to the keys, please. It's a picture of provision. And every day manna would, would, go a, would be spread out for the children of Israel as a supernatural provision for them. And the picture for you and I is that every day you need to get the rhema word of the Lord. Every day you need to hear God say, what's he saying to you today? What's he saying to you today? I, I have frequently mess with our, our, our you know, youth and, and those that I'm discipling. What's the word of the Lord? What's God saying? Embarrassingly, over, over, over the course of my ministry, many times youth, even though they're raised in a, not just youth, anybody, Anybody, embarrassingly, you'd ask them, be like, um, uh, um, what do you mean? What do I mean? I mean, when you woke up and you sought God this morning, what did he say to you? I didn't get up and seek God this morning. Okay, well, I'm telling you, you need fresh. Listen, if you want to walk in victory, you want to walk in power, you're going to have to let the word of the Lord be precious to you. It's got to dwell deep down within you richly. You've got to plant your roots down in the word. You've got to be, you've got to build on the rock of his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. So when everything else is going to pass away, but his word will remain, will endure forever, it's got to be precious to us. And so oftentimes it isn't. I'm asking God to, to give me a deeper love for the word. Come on, ask him right now. Lord, give us a deeper love for your word. Help us to teach our children. Oh, God. So when you wake up in the morning, ask God to speak to you. You say, God can talk to me? He not only can, He does. Many times we're not listening. His sheep know and hear His voice. A voice of another where they will not follow. He said, I am the sheepfold gate. Broad and wide is the way to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. My sheep know and hear my voice. How do I know how he's speaking to me? You remember when you gave your heart to Jesus? Now, if you can't remember that, you might not have. When you gave your heart to Jesus, it was that moment when you were like, I need to get right with God. Yeah, he's speaking to you. Get right with me. That's his voice. 
And if you'll learn to practice his voice and listen to his voice and ask him to hear you, ask, ask him to help you to hear him. There's a din of Instagram, a din of social media, a din of news chattering all the time. The flesh, the world, the devil vying to just consume your thoughts. You gotta turn it off, gotta get away with him. And you need to hear him every day. What's the Lord saying? Practice that. What's the Lord saying? God desires to speak. Prophecy should be judged. In 1 Corinthians 14, 29, prophecy should always be judged. So when somebody brings a prophetic word, now let me just set some standards here. You function and flow in a prophetic gift or, or you're practicing learning to hear his voice or you're discerning to hear something for somebody, I think that's good. But it needs to be, it needs to be done in the way that's healthy. So no parking lot prophecy. Where Brother Lust Bucket comes up to Sister Beautiful and says, Hey, how you doing? I got, I got a word for you. I just want to tell you. Just watching your worship. and uh, You want to see my tattoo? <laughs> uh, I feel like the Lord wants you uh, 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 to be with me. Uh, don't do that. We have attack dogs on all the corners of the building that are look and sniff for, for wolves and sheep clothing. Don't be giving anybody a word. Don't do that. Don't, don't do it. If you feel like you have a word for somebody, you come to, a, to one of my seasoned leaders and, 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 you, and you gracefully submit it to them and help you to deliver to them. Sometimes people will say, I feel like I have a word for that person. I go, really, what is it? They'll tell me, and I'll be like, yeah, that's the word of the Lord. We're going, and what is beautiful, the gift is a beautiful gift, but it needs to be judged. Come on, it needs to be judged. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, two or three prophets should speak. The others should wait carefully what is said. The prophets to be judged. Oh, snap. What do you mean by that? That means that we, when these, these men come, even, even my life, and my life, as a pastor, you're supposed to judge me? Say yes, yes. How I live my life, how my kids are raised, the way that I talk, how I am in public. Just don't look at how I'm driving. I'm working on a generational iniquity there. Sometimes I drive a little inappropriate. Amen. Pastor Kirsten also, you pray for him. Thank you, Jesus. I have a little bit of a lead foot, you know, sometimes. I was talking to some uh, folks in authority, former police officers that will not not be named. I was told that you could go seven over. Seven, you're out the gate. Oh, or eight, seven or eight miles an hour over the speed limit. Seven or eight, you're out the gate, nine, you're mine. So I don't know if that's true. I know somebody that says if you speed, you see, because of revelation of authority, that the, the authority says the speed limit's 45. So a submission to authority is, is a mandate for a Christian, right? You understand that, right? He doesn't bear the sword in vain. He talks about that in Romans. So if the speed limit's 45, he drives 45 because at 46 and 47, the hand of God would come off of him because he's in rebellion. He drives that way. I don't have that revelation. Actually, 
I have a problem with my speedo. There's a problem with my speedometer. So I figure I'm under grace. Hallelujah. Yay! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Fruit inspectors. So these guys, they come, to, they come to prophesy here next week. For those of you that are registered, again, the evenings are open during the day. Should they be judged? Yes. Judged by what? By their character. Judged by what? Their character. Everybody say their character. Their character. Number two, their attitude. Want to take notes? Write this. How to judge, how to judge someone. How to judge a prophet. One, character. Two, attitude. If they're a mean cuss, now that, none of these guys are that, but I'm just saying. I've seen people bring a mean-spirited word. That, that's dangerous. That's scary. Their attitude. By their faith. The confident assurance of what you cannot see. How's their faith? Are they moving in faith? By their accuracy. If, they, if, if they're bringing a prophetic word and it's, and it's off, it's not accurate. How many of you know that's a problem? Prophetic word is to encourage. You want to hear that again? Judgment. Character, attitude, character and doctrine, pardon me, doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. Listen, just let me help you. I've had some questions by more than one person on our doctrine. It's on the website. It's the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. That, that, that is, we, we ascribe to the 16 fundamental truths. Want to know what it is? Type 16 fundamental truths, and it'll come up. And you can read all of those and study them. If you want to argue those... Pastor Vince's numbers, 888-907-888-HEMP. Just, they're not up for debate. We've already been through that. If you're like, well, I don't agree with that. Well, then we're not the church for you. As, as sad as that would be for me, I don't want anybody to leave on to reach as many people and set everybody on fire and take over. Take over for the glory of God, you understand. Push the devil out. He was, well, I don't believe in that. Well, go somewhere else then. It's not up for debate. We'll help you. We'll teach you. We can walk. We can talk. I've got great theologians and people and scholars on board. You're going to become a doctor. Thank you, Jesus. Great things are happening. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Right? There should be there should be dialogue and growing. It's not like it's a dictatorship, but we're not changing our doctrine. We've settled that a long time ago. It's not up for debate. But if you want to learn and grow, and you just want to be submitted to that and being open, but in the end, we're not changing our mind. We've already been through all of those arguments. Doctrine. Somebody's doctrine's jacked. You don't want to hear anything. It's dangerous. You know, many people in the church don't know their own doctrine. So should I know my own? Yeah. Yeah, you should. All of you diligent folks, go find the 16 fundamental truths. Go read them and study them. Make that be the rhema every morning. The eminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? The eminent return of the Lord Jesus. The inerrancy of Scripture. Do you know what that means? On and on and on. The initial baptism. Initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is that? Thanks. I was going to get discouraged if we got one person answering. Come on, Jesus. Doctrine. All right, I'm almost done. Prophetic word is to encourage and confirm. In fact, let me read this to you. In Acts 15, 23, we're almost done. I'm, I'm, the wheels are down. We're coming in. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. Wow. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, number one, 
Encouragement number two, and comfort. That is the base purpose of prophecy. Encouragement, strength, comfort. What? Encouragement, strength, comfort. I've gone into much greater detail at other times, but there's no situation that God can't turn around and he'll give you a word of the Lord over it and you might feel like a leper, but don't keep silent. Move forward. Stand on God's word. Let it be precious to you. Don't be like Gehazi and go for greed and be filled with bitterness and end up in leprosy. And the other thing I felt like the Lord was saying to me tonight is that many of you did blow it. Many of you, many of you did. You failed and, and, and you ended up in a leprous sort of condition. Good news, you can change your life tonight. You can say, well, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to live as a, as a blessing. I'm going to live on fire for God. I, I might have jacked my life up and been through all kinds of poor choices, but tonight is the first night of the rest of my life. Tonight is the first night of the rest of your life. You can change the world even though you might feel leprous. Come on. Did you get something? Stand up on your feet. Lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Father, thank you. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. Thy word is like a hammer. It's like fire. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. I'm listening, Lord, I'm listening. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. I need you. I need you, Lord. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. Speak to me. Let the word of the Lord run swiftly in your life. Let the word of God take a place of preeminence. Let the Holy Spirit take preeminence in your life. But without the word, you'll be like a river that has no banks. You need the word of God. It brings the confines of the outpouring of the Spirit. Because if you have the outpouring of the Spirit and you don't have the Word, you're going to blow up and mess up. You'll get weird. You'll end up in a place of heresy. You can't just have the warm fuzzies and, and you know, Holy Ghost and your hair standing on end. You, you'll, end up, you'll end up out of accord with God's Word. God's Word will keep you, will set you. You need the Word and the Spirit. If you just have the Word, you're going to dry up. Some of you know what that is. If you just have the Spirit, you will blow up. Some of you also know what that is. You need both the Word and the Spirit to grow up. Everyone here should be getting discipled by somebody who's been walking in a place of victory and authority longer than you have. Everyone here needs to have a pastor, a woman of God, a man of God, somebody that's not controlling, filled with the Spirit, healthy leadership. There's lots of it here. Lots. And you need to come in to learn to grow. Bill Hammond, a friend of the ministry, Bishop Bill Hammond, he picked cotton when he was a boy. And I forget the exact poundage, but there was a man 
who could outpick everybody by far, pick double the amount of cotton. And he decided, you know what? I'm going to get next to that guy and I'm going to watch him. And Bishop Bill Hammond learned to pick cotton after the first week of picking next to this guy who outpicked him hands down twice, three times as much. After the first week, he increased by 25%. He continued to follow along with this guy and soon he was 50% more. They got paid by how much they picked. And before you know it, he had doubled his production rate at picking cotton. Why? Because he got yoked with somebody who knew exactly how to do it. There is healthy leadership here. You've got to get involved. You've got, you got to tie in. You've got to know doctrine, learn and grow. And let the Word of God be precious in your family. Don't let your kids just lose their minds on some kind of phone all the time. Or ever. Especially when God's presence and power is just reigning. Come on, lift your hands. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. Speak to me, I'm listening, Lord. Register for the conference if you can. If you can't, you can't afford it, then you come to the night sessions. Pack this place out. Oh, I meant to tell you, we should have new seats by now, but they had a snowstorm that hit Seattle and the truckers were delayed. By God's grace, they'll be here by the time our conference. 320 brand new beautiful chairs have filled this thing. It's going to be amazing. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. And we'll use those. It's the same chairs we'll use when we move into our new building. Glory to God. Come on, lift your hands one more time all across this place. Examine your heart. Are you right with God tonight? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Are you born again? If you died, God forbid, tonight, would you, would you go to heaven? Because there is a place of hell where you've never intended to go. And the only way that you can have the genuine ticket to ride is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the only way you can have your sins forgiven. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here tonight and you're not right with God. You want to give your heart to Him for the first time. You're online perhaps. You want to give your heart to Him in recommitment because you drifted. You're not as on fire as you used to be. You say, that's me, Pastor. And pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Minister Ava, do we have our teams here tonight? Good. Prophetic teams, you can begin to move to the front. You know who you are. If you would do that now, please. Father, thank you for what you've done tonight. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want prayer, need prayer for healing, need ministry, you come to the front. We've got teams that are trained up front to help you. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Revival continues. Peace.